This is a HeadGum Podcast. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hello and welcome to the Complete Guide to Everything, a podcast about everything. I'm one of your hosts, Tom. And I'm Tim. Tim, how are you doing this week? Tom, I'm feeling a little stressed. How are you? Also stressed. However, uh, not necessarily for the reasons you might think, Tim. Uh, I'm stressed because I got uh, my first parking ticket that I've had in over two and a half years since I, since I bought the car that I have. Wow. Yeah. Tom, two things. Uh-huh. Number one, I think it's been more than two and a half years since you got your car. At maybe three and a half years. I think you've had that car for <laughs> almost a decade. <laughs> no, I, it's definitely not been that long. But I am incredibly hazy about how long I have had this car. Yeah. Um, it's at least three or four years. Um, number two, this comes as a shock to me that you're not constantly getting parking tickets because you hate doing things that I, are annoying. I do hate And like often you just like don't do things if you don't feel like doing them. Well, if I really hated things that were annoying, how would I continue doing this show? Tom, it seems like uh, you don't hate doing this and you're charmed by me. I didn't and- say hate. I said annoying. <laughs> um, uh, no, because... I, uh, that was one of the promises I made to myself when I got this car. Uh, cause like I, I don't, I use this car very infrequently. Yeah. I think it's disgusting that you have a car oh, in New York shut City, up. Tom. We have a robust public transit system. Who cares? Yeah. And it's, uh, full of disease right now. So it's your car. No, my car, actually my well, car. You is... know where the disease in your car came from. <laughs> my, my car you, is actually fairly filthy right now but it's usually actually you haven't been in my car that many times you're you're frequently not invited um but my car is actually usually pretty yeah you're always like once in a while you're like you want to go park in my car and i know (laughs) what that means tom boys Uh, like you you're all the same look my car is actually usually surprisingly clean usually it's the cleanest thing i own um but And mostly just because I don't use it very much. Uh, But Mm -hmm. one of the promises I made myself, knowing that I wouldn't use this car that much, was, all right, if I get this car and I'm going to pay the payments on it, I'm going to pay the insurance on it, I cannot get tickets constantly. Uh, Because last time I had a car in the city, which I did need for uh, commuting purposes, uh, I did get tickets constantly. And uh, no, but this was a multi-year stretch and um, it wasn't that I forgot. It was that I thought I was parked on the other side of the street than I was today. Tom, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. And uh, I think it should be noted that um, 
in New York City, you can't just park a car on the street and then just leave it there till when you <laughs> indefinitely. Need it. Yeah. Next, we have this thing called alternate side of the street parking. Mm-hmm. Alternate side. Um, where every couple days, yeah, they, they come and sweep the streets, which I don't think they actually sweep the streets. Um, they do um, sweep the streets, but it's questionable if it's necessary as often as they do it. Yeah. Like, yeah, if they didn't sweep the streets, eventually, like nature would start to retake the city. But it, mm-hmm. that happens, you know, if you swept the street on Tuesday, nature's not going to have made much progress by Friday. It would be fine. Yeah, um, I do think it's ridiculous that uh, there is free parking on uh, on the streets of New York City. So I think it like I have a car too. Uh-huh. Great, you caught me, Tom. Great, <laughs> you exposed me. Hypocrite. Um, but I think it should suck to have a car in New York. Like it sucks. It sucks all right right now. Yeah, but that's because like everybody's home all the time. And you can move the car or whatever. Right. But like. I think it should suck a lot to have a car. Um, I mean, uh, it does suck a lot. I think it's fine. I'm fine with... In normal times, I'm talking about. Like, where, yeah. you know, when it, it might be convenient, like, a little less convenient to take the subway, um, and you just get in the car. Like, we should be discouraging that. I, I think a lot of people don't do that. You do. I don't do that. You drive everywhere. I don't drive everywhere. I just told yeah, you, you don't that go I, anywhere. Yeah, exactly. I told you that I don't use my car. I the, the I use my car to go to Best Buy, and uh, that's about it. Now that I I take offense to Tom. Mm-hmm. Why? You live closer to uh, to Best Buy. We right. go, look, we have the same Best Buy. We, 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 <laughs> that, that's how close we live to each other. I moved to a new neighborhood. I used to have my own Best Buy that was so close to me, Tom, that like <laughs> you wouldn't dream of driving there. Um, but uh, I think you live closer to that Best Buy, yeah. and I still only walk to that Best Buy when I need to go to that absolute hellhole. Yeah, but here's the problem, Tim. What happens when you buy something that you're very excited about to, to buy at Best Buy, and then you got to walk all the way home, and it's going to take you know, 15, 20 minutes? And you're, you know and you're too excited to to do that, and then it, but it's also too far to run all the way home. You know what sucks about um, modern life and uh, these times and normal times and mm-hmm. and every um, this is actually an issue because like on last time I was at Best Buy, I was buying a speaker for my home. It wasn't like an extravagant. I think this is maybe Purchase. the fifth time we've talked about this Best Buy trip. On the yeah, podcast. okay. <laughs> but but it makes like... sense because I think this is like certainly one of the biggest things I've done in the last six months. It's the go only to a Best place buy. I go because, like, I'll I'll buy something. Uh, like, this will be my plan for a Saturday. Like, yeah. my wife will be like, "Hey, what are you gonna do?" I was like, you know what? I'm gonna order a speaker online uh, for in-store pickup. Yeah, and uh, go pick it up. Best Buy will email me when it's ready, and I'll take a fifteen-minute walk there, grab the speaker, and walk home. Um, and I'll only have to be in that hellhole of the store for four minutes. Yeah. If, well, and you and you're if, setting if up. That's it. 
you're setting up that 7.1 surround sound system. So, so far, this is taking you two months to go and pick up each each speaker individually. No, I've only bought one speaker this year. <laughs> okay. Um, and uh, a big, I, I, a big I fan of mono recordings, Tim. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't That's understand way, uh... why you need all that fanciness with stereo sound. I think it's a gimmick, Tom, and it's not going to last. Is that why um, we released this podcast in mono, Tim? Because of your uh, your affinity towards uh, mono sound? I thought we were always uh, releasing it with you in one ear and, and me in the other ear. No, I feel like we we did that like a long time ago, and it was like just... Like 2008, right? Yeah. Like, we were just like, <laughs> let's... Uh... That way people will be oriented. Uh, right, and, and people talking. did not like it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was walking home with this big bag from an electronic store, and it's mm-hmm. freaking. It was twenty twenty, and these are dark times. Yeah. And I walked through. I walked by literally, I think three different like mugging food stations, pantry. No, oh. the, the food pantry <laughs> uh-huh. lines. Right. That were like, this was at the height of the pandemic, and it's like. Hundreds of people just wait, and like me, and and you were biggest... saying, well, look, times are tough for me too. I only have a mono stereo system. Yeah, it's uh, it, it really made me like a real piece of shit, and I don't think I've like bought anything since since then. Just like I don't walk by people, can't. Uh, it really made me feel bad, well, it and did. it made me feel bad about like our country. Mm-hmm. Um capitalism uh life in general yeah um why 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 we do this to each other why we live like this mm-hmm. um you're you're talking about and, uh, in-store pickup right now yeah why, I mean, why do we it, live like this yeah why don't they have of a virus why don't they have one hour delivery why do i have to go to the store and pick it up why don't they have drones do it um i recently the government won't let them I recently screwed up and uh, uh, this is ju- just the other day paid my rent from the wrong uh, checking account online. Ooh, look at Mr. Fancy, multiple checking accounts. Well, by And I'm a bad guy for <laughs> buying a speaker. I see. Well, by paying for my rent with the wrong checking account, I overdrew that account by a lot of money. And then I had to go to the bank oh my rent is a lot of money yeah it is a a lot of money it's more money than i have in a checking account i don't use uh so i had to go to one bank take out a thousand dollars in cash and walk to the other bank and it was one of those atms where i'm like oh this atm that can do different denominations um but it didn't it just spit out uh twenty dollar bills it was just like a gigantic wad of a thousand dollars cash and then i had to nervously walk down the street to put it in uh another machine it's like well who's in charge here me or the machines sad, sad state of affairs time it when, felt uh, like i was working we get our machine our money from machines yeah I feel, and, and sometimes give it to I other machines. like i'm the machine yeah and, we're just a cog yeah anyway in- so that that was my my troubles for this week, Tim, and also um, uh, I was thinking about how this this uh, ticket, you know, they put it under the, the windshield wiper. I don't think I told you this, Tim, but um, uh, I was disloyal. Well, not disloyal. It was before they came around. 
uh, our wiper blade sponsor, Trico, uh, who is not mm-hmm. a current sponsor. Let me uh, say that for the record. Um, but we are we remain fans. We remain Trico loyalists. However, uh, before they came along as a sponsor, I had bought two new wiper blades. Tim, wouldn't you know it? Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was on the highway doing 80 miles an hour, and one of these wiper blades flew off my car. <laughs> in did you put it on yourself? Did you yeah, install that wiper blade yourself? So you, but I had up. installed this wiper blade like a year ago, and it was fine. And it came off because I was driving so fast, and because it was torrential rain, uh, damn near killed myself. Uh, because all of a sudden I didn't have a wiper blade. I'm flying down the highway. And then I was thinking today, well, I shouldn't have even gone to the store and bought a brand new uh, wiper blade because uh, then they wouldn't have had a place to put this ticket. Oh, yeah. It's a loophole. How about whenever you park your car, you remove your wiper blades? How about whenever I move my car, remove my license plates so they can't tell whose car it is? Yeah, I don't think that'll work out well for you, Tom. <laughs> and then I'll put a fake, uh, not even fake, a real boot on my wheel, but I have the key of the boot, so then they can't tow it. Hmm. Do you know people that do? Have you ever done that um, or been with somebody who has uh, taken a ticket off another car and put it on their car? Yeah, but at least in New York City, that shit doesn't work. They They look at it to make sure. Yeah, and they have like I think they just walk down the street and scan every car because <laughs> yeah. like, right? What do you mean? Because if they if they've uh, issued a ticket, are you like, thinking of a RoboCop? There's something on the registry. Yeah, I'm thinking of RoboCop. Sorry. Tom, mm-hmm. this week we're talking about a television program. A very popular television program here in the United States called Jeopardy. It's a quiz show, Tom. Get used to it. Well, I I am used to it, Tim. It's been around uh, as long as I've been alive. Uh, and it also it exists around the world. But I don't think it's anywhere near as popular anywhere else in the world as it is in... I mean, maybe it's also very popular in Canada, but uh, nowhere near... You know, the Turkish version of Jeopardy, I don't think, is as popular in Turkey as the U.S. version is in the U.S. And why do you think that is? Just because I think it's like it's it's a cultural phenomenon in the U.S. Like it's it's not just another quiz show. It is an institution. You know, the same way, like, I'm sure, you know, the Turkish version of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire is as popular as the U.S. version of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, maybe even more popular. But I can't imagine uh, uh, an exported show being as popular as uh, Jeopardy is in the U.S. Yeah. I also, uh, I think it really hits that sweet spot. Like, it was never... It's never been a cool show here. Right. And we're talking about the version that launched in 1984. Not um, not the Art Linklater version or whatever? Art Linklater can, can go suck an egg. Wow. Well, he's long dead, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he's sucking eggs in heaven now. <laughs> well, that's sweet of you to say. He's looking down at us. Uh, from its cloud while sucking on an egg. Yeah, and sucking guess what? Yolk it, right out of that thing. It's a Cadbury egg. He's very happy. Oh man, he is in hog heaven, which is not as good as 
person heaven, but um, <laughs> but still not bad. Pretty man, good, man. If I uh, I should start carrying around Cadbury eggs with me all the time, so that if somebody ever tells me to go suck an egg, I could say yeah, gladly, and then whip that out, and then That'll everybody else will go oh. And you'd be like, and that, my friends, is called an epic clapback. Yeah, but I'll but As I'll, you're have, sucking a, on the egg. I'll yeah. have a mouthful of uh, fondant in my in my mouth. That's why you call it epic. Oh, and they'll dribble on my shirt. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It, it it was never cool, right? Yeah. It was never like. In as much as a game show could be cool, it wasn't like a phenomenon like a yeah. I don't the think... late nineties. Who wants to be a millionaire or like right where it got like tremendous ratings or Survivor or something like that. Yeah, or Deal or No Deal. When was Deal or No Deal in like the Harry Mandel version? Yeah, you're talking about that was post Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. That was maybe early two thousands. Yeah, but. Just, with uh, it wasn't uh, that long ago. With um, uh, Meghan Markle, the um, uh, princess, or whatever, not a princess, something, dame, lady. Huh? What is her title? Meghan Markle. Yeah. Um. Didn't she renounce her her title? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I guess, but it sounds like they kind of didn't. I don't. I don't care that much to to really know. But she was a who. She was a yeah, dealer. No made dear. A smart model. move. They were like, we're gonna move to Los Angeles. We're gonna renounce our like. We're gonna chase responsibilities. our responsibilities. Yeah. Yeah, we won't have any responsibilities, but we're gonna keep like most of that money. <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> and also, like when we do go back to England, everybody's still gonna bow and curtsy to us. Yeah, and we can still wear silly clothes if we want, and everybody has to not make fun of us. Deal or No Deal Mm -hmm. was like not that long ago that it was like a popular show, right? I feel like it was a decent amount of time ago. I think anything (laughs) post nine (laughs) eleven is like, uh, you know, like recent, right? Right. Well, you constantly refer to things as, well, I guess this is what it's like in a post 9-11 world. And a lot of and, times and it's, it's for things that have no bearing. What, you know, it'll be like, that's how much movie tickets are. Well, I guess that's what life is like in a post 9-11 world. Where's the lie, Tom? 2000, it was on NBC from 2005 to t- 2009. Okay. Um, It's just wild to me. Have you ever... Uh, seen an episode of that like yeah, it's yeah. just like the whole thing they, they have these ladies mm-hmm. holding all these briefcases uh, beautiful and they're ladies, always just yeah. like yeah and they're all they're just like catcalling the ladies the whole time they're like uh suitcase number uh briefcase number 19 ooh va 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 voom look at this babe hey open up that briefcase toots yeah Go and pinches her butt. They don't go and pinch their butt, Tim. They just pay. Some, some, they did one they time, pay but they had to edit it out. They pay them nice compliments. I just think it's uh, ah, that seems like that that I could see uh, 
what's his face family feud from the 70s uh, yeah um, yeah richard dawson pulling that crap right but howie mandel come on have some class well richard dawson he would just go up and kiss the ladies howie mandel yeah. is a germaphobe uh so he couldn't kiss the ladies so he just had to resort to catcalling. um but i feel like that and everybody that expects show... that of howie mandel he's a man's man yeah the creator of Bobby's world himself. <laughs> and uh, also the creator of putting a latex globe over your head and blowing it up. <laughs> That's the only thing people our age know about Howie Mandel. <laughs> yeah. I think he's like one of those like uh, uh, judges on something, The Voice or America's Got Talent or yeah, I think so. The X Factor. Yeah. I did. I like just watch how, how bizarre. Go. I'll, I'll lend you my Deal or No Deal DVDs. Okay. Um, and just do they come how... in a Deal or No Deal replica suitcase? Because that'd be pretty neat. Yeah, no, they don't. Why oh. would they do that? That'd well, be so expensive. I don't. I don't look, Tim. Money's no object when it comes to Deal or No Deal. Think about how much they could cater. Tell that. Hey, tell that to the banker. Think about how much they could cater to the winners of Deal or No Deal by putting out a, an extremely lavish, expensive box set that, of course, they're going to buy because there are episodes in there. Yeah, but what if somebody only left with $1? They can't well, even afford that lavish set. Th then, you know what, Tim? They can't afford just a regular box set either. They couldn't afford a single season. They couldn't uh, <laughs> afford a single bean to, <laughs> to feed them and their no, families you, you on could Christmas buy a night. Bean. It'd be crazy if, uh, like, at at stores they sold individual episodes of television shows, like, on disc. I mean, they used to. I remember my brother mm -hmm. was a big fan of Cheers yeah. when he was, like, nine years old or something. <laughs> uh -huh. And in, like, Oh, like, tapes, yeah. In 1990, you could go in for, like, $25 buy a tape of two episodes of Cheers. Yeah. Yeah, because what um, else would I... you do? Wait until four episodes are on that night. <laughs> I mean, th these were these were primo episodes. These were choice episodes. Yeah, but like, uh, this is wild. The but but even that, it would be like primo sick. episodes. I'm saying no. Have every episode available, and I, you have to thumb through 200, you know, individual DVDs at Best Buy to well, find. Why the... would anybody do that? Tom? I don't know if if. Technology went differently. Hmm. Thank God it didn't. It's just something to think about. Because I like streaming and binging, my friend. Yeah. M me, I don't like binging, but I do like streaming. Anyway, Tim Jeopardy. Jeopardy. Um, but it was like uh, trashy enough, right? It's always been Jeopardy. Like, here's the thing. Uh -huh. It's highbrow. In as much as a syndicated game show paired with Wheel of Fortune can be highbrow, right? Yeah, because it's, it's there's high... a ceiling and it hits that ceiling. Yeah, it's highbrow, no but it's still trivia. Yeah, um, and I would like it a lot better if they got rid of all the categories about you know classic literature, right? Um, geography, like bodies of water that um, <laughs> I'm never going to learn. What about before um, and after? Before and after, I love. Yeah, before well, that's after, one, of the most, one of the most popular categories. Anyway, uh, Jeopardy, I think, is maybe my favorite TV show. 
It's certainly one of the most consistent TV shows out there. Have um, you ever watched an episode of Jeopardy and when it was over, go, ooh, that was a real clunker of an episode? No. Yeah. And even uh, Alex Trebek, God rest his soul, mm-hmm. um, I, I feel like he would. He was always rooting for um, somebody to, to make a lot of money. And like for like his ideal game would be that like every contestant uh, got the same amount of, of questions right. Um, and every question was gotten right. And then somebody bet it all in Final Jeopardy and left with like $100,000. Because when people win only like $12,000, he's just yeah. like, oh, well, good showing, Deborah. Um, I mean, not really, but hopefully you'll not win Not really. Tomorrow. I got paid more during this episode than you did, but. You know what? Regis took that. Wow, we lost Regis and we lost Alex Trebek in the same year. Yeah. Tough, wow. tough year for game And shows. Art Linklater as well. No, Art Linklater, I'm pretty sure, died decades ago. Uh, but uh, Regis pulled that one time uh, like where he bragged. like Somebody was agonizing on who wants to be a millionaire over the answer to the question. Uh-huh. And it was just like... Um, you know, like Regis, I'm not gonna like uh like Regis like you gotta make a decision and the contestant mm-hmm. was like, Don't pressure me, like this is a lot of money, like you don't have a say in that and he was just Did like, he curse at him? Did he no, push him? Regis said like, Listen, pal, I'm making more money for being here tonight than you can possibly make here wow. or something. And it was something that was like, oh, what a, that was kind of a jerky thing to say. Yeah. I'm making more money to be here tonight, and I've got four episodes to tape after this one. <laughs> no, I think this was the time when, like, oh, it's when it like, was, like prime time, a, a special like four night, yeah, special event, yeah. Anyway, back to Jeopardy, Tom. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it your favorite game show? My favorite game show. Um, mm-hmm. Do you like Jeopardy? What's your relationship with Jeopardy? Uh, I do like Jeopardy. Um, does it make I, you feel dumb? No, it doesn't make me feel dumb. It was definitely like mildly... Does it make ru- you feel like a real asshole? <laughs> it's definitely mildly ruined uh, for me as a child because my grandpa, whenever I'd watch it with him, he would wait until the answer was said, or the question, rather. In, in, for anybody that doesn't know, the, the format of Jeopardy is they give you the answer and you have to say what the question is. Um, and... Whenever a contestant would get the the correct question, my grandfather would then say the same thing and count that as him getting that right as well, even though the question had already been uh, correctly answered. Why did he think that was okay? And Uh, were you playing against him competitively? I wasn't playing against him competitively, but if I would watch it with him, it was just very annoying to watch because somebody would be like, "Uh, who is William Shakespeare? And Alex Trebek would go... Uh, that's correct. And then uh, my grandfather would go, William Shakespeare. And it was like, well, yeah, he, he already... Who did he think he was fooling? Uh, I don't... I, me, like a nine-year-old? <laughs> I don't know. To whose benefit? Why was he saying these words out loud? He would say that, or sometimes he wouldn't go through that trouble. He would just say, yeah, I knew that. Well, sometimes I watch... And then watch when the Jeopardy. show was over, he would say, I got most, if not all of those right. 
that he would, would say. Would he out like loud. go brag to your grandma and then? No, you, you brag to, like, to me like a the... nine-year-old. Man, seems like you had a real troubled relationship with your grandfather. Tom. I mean, it wasn't trouble, but it was just like I don't. It, it wasn't impressing me. I saw right through what he was doing. Yeah, rough stuff, Tom. So that was the beginning of my relationship with Jeopardy. Um, I do like Jeopardy. I would say Jeopardy's probably probably on a short list of TV. I don't make it a point to watch Jeopardy, but it's on a short list of TV shows. If I'm flipping through the channels and it's on, I'll, I'll stop there and watch it. It's a very watchable mm. show. And, and it's also, you can tune in at any time. Like you don't need to know, you can catch up on the game very quickly. Yeah. But it's fun to get to know people's. Uh, oh, of course. I mean, it's a pretty the, the short game. show too. So it's not like, you know, it's not like a like a nine inning baseball game where it's like, ah, you only yeah. have to watch the the ninth inning. It's like, no, nah, you can. It's twenty two minutes without commercials. You can watch the whole thing. It's a yeah. very fast paced game, deceptively fast paced. Um, I would say not very deceptively fast paced. I think it's uh pretty pretty overtly uh fast paced, Tom. All right. Well, are you are you deceived by the pace? No, I think you must be a real rube, Tom. You must be a real hayseed. I just think that there are a lot of game shows that have like countdown timers and stuff and and put pressure and people don't think of Jeopardy as that kind of thing uh, because there's not that kind of overt uh, visible pressure. But it's like that Jeopardy moves quicker than I think probably any game show. Yeah. When uh, during the beginning of quarantine, mm-hmm. they ran out of new episodes. They were in the yeah. middle of the season. So they showed like the first um, few episodes. They showed like some some like in syndication, uh, some old episodes, uh, memorable episodes. Yeah. 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 Um, and th- I think they showed the whole first week and they did not play down the pacing of it at that time. Oh, like, really? Alex Trebek acted, the host of uh, Jeopardy, Alex Trebek, um, acted like there was a countdown timer, and if they didn't get through every question on the board, like, uh, <laughs> bad things would happen. And he'd be like, Architecture 200, uh, this this famous architect, and uh, like, come on, he'd be come out on, of come breath. On. And they let people buzz in before he had finished oh, reading yeah. the question, and so it's just mayhem. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was very unsettling. So I guess you're right. I guess... They still get a lot in, and it's a less frantic pace. Um, Tom? Yeah. My favorite show. I watch it every night when uh, I wait, dinner. You, I, I thought you were going to apologize to me. Why? Because you said I was wrong, and now I'm right, and I think I'm owed a formal apology. No, I mean, I still think you're a rube and a hayseed um, and a bit of a dimwit. Well, that's not a very, that's not a very good apology at all. Doing my best here, Tom. Take it or leave it. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. 
Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Tom, it's my favorite show. Jeopardy is. Mm-hmm. I watch it every night while I eat dinner, like a even, geriatric. Your favorite show, even beyond this show? Um, This podcast that we're yes, doing? Yes, this show. Tom, I've never even listened to an episode of this even show. Even more than a Broadway show? Even more than Chicago on Broadway? I've never seen Chicago on Broadway. Well, it seems it, that, really... that's why you're saying Jeopardy is your favorite show, because you haven't Have seen, you Chicago seen Chicago on Chicago Broadway. Have you ever seen Chicago on Broadway? No, I haven't. I aspire to one day. I don't think uh, I don't think it. Uh, they've they've mounted a production of Chicago in some time. Oh, they'll be back. They probably will. Yeah. Uh, you watch it during what time? It airs at six thirty, six, seven. Jeez, Tom. I don't. I don't watch it. I think it's at seven, right? It's at seven p.m. Yeah, seven thirty's Wheel of Fortune, and then prime time. Yeah. Um, you ever been, and that's, that's when the real show starts. You ever been in a city where that's reversed, where wheel of fortunes first and then jeopardy? Um, probably I, I have, I don't it's, think it's I... always fuck me up. Yeah. Well, jeopardy. <laughs> well, I, I will say this, Tom, uh-huh. uh, I DVR jeopardy. Yes. Um, so it doesn't, it doesn't matter what time it's on. Uh-huh. Oh, la dee da. Yeah, it's pretty. It's the only reason I pay for uh, like uh, service, uh, live TV service. Yeah, well, I'm sure that means a lot to the people waiting in the food pantry line that you walk past. That this is the only reason you pay for to record television shows and listen to them on that big speaker you've got. <laughs> it's not even that big, Tom. That's even worse. You, oh, so you have the kind of money to afford miniaturization? No, it's just a small, it's a small speaker. Um, I have two criticisms. Uh-huh. Oh wait, uh, I was going to tell you about uh, it being paired with Wheel of Fortune. Yes, it's you know, the sister only reason, show. Yeah, the only reason they brought it back it, it, you know it was it was an old quiz show that right. Nerve griffin came out that was on like, like during the day yeah um but they're like ah, oh, let's bring it back and uh like uh or or they they developed wheel of fortune and merv griffin was like oh this show is gonna be friggin' great let's go out there and sell it and they're like oh we can only sell things like they're only selling syndication spots in like hour long blocks mm. And so he's like, oh, we just got to put some bullshit together to pair with that. So it'll be right. like the Wheel of Fortune and something else hour, and then we can yeah. sell it. Um, so they were like, hey, remember that show Jeopardy? And he was like, uh, oh, I get I know what I'll do. I wrote the theme song to Jeopardy. So if I bring Jeopardy back, I'll get paid twice because I'll get paid uh, music royalties as well. 
Yeah. Um, so that's essentially why he brought it back, just to pair with the show that he wanted to bring back and to be able to milk the song. Uh, I didn't a bit I didn't know that particular thing, but I did read that when he sold Merv Griffin Enterprises to Coca-Cola, of all people, by the way, um, that this shouldn't he, be allowed. <laughs> that he uh, soda can own friggin' Jeopardy. <laughs> um, well, I found this. Uh, this is not interesting, but I found this interesting that at the time Coca Cola also owned Columbia Pictures, and that's how Jeopardy became a part of Columbia Television, which was then bought by Sony and is now Sony TV. Uh, or Sony Television with with all these companies. Uh, I had no idea that at one time uh, Coca-Cola owned a television and movies and movie studio separate. Tell me the antitrust law so the, so a soda company can't. Uh, I mean, that's not antitrust. I think if a soda company wants to buy an entertainment company, that's fine. If if like Coca-Cola it. wants, I to, don't like look, it. Look, if Coca-Cola wants to buy Pepsi, they shouldn't be allowed to do that. But if they want to buy, you know, uh, uh, I don't know. I think it should be a law. Stick to soda. <laughs> if you're making soda, <laughs> that should be your primary. Now you're focus. saying just soda, though. Other industries unaffected, but. Uh, I mean, for the most part, just soda. But like, what's, I don't know. What's I don't the... think Hostess should be able to buy. I think they should stick to snack food, um, and they shouldn't be able well, to buy. I think like, hostesses the... should be able to do whatever job they want. If they want to be a hostess anymore, they can do oh, something else. Host, hostess snacks, the maker of Twinkies, and ah, Devil Dogs. Yeah, I see. Um. Imagine they bought the Bravo Network. All hell would break loose. I couldn't care less. <laughs> um, uh, but I did read that uh, when Merv Griffin sold his company to Coca-Cola, he kept the rights to the Jeopardy theme song, which is called Think. Uh, and over time, that made him $100 million in royalties. And he claims that that song took him 30 seconds to write, that it was based on a lullaby he wrote for his son. Tom, remember when, um, who was it, Men at Work? Who did uh, Come From a Land Down Under? Yeah, it's Men at Work. Had to pay all the money to uh, the Kookaburra song uh, people? No, I don't remember that. It's like... A few years ago, I don't, I which... don't, I don't follow uh, Australian law. Anyway, I think Merv Griffin should have to pay at least seventy-five million dollars of that hundred million dollars to the little teapot from "I'm a Little Teapot." I'm because a little that man... teapot. Poor, this is my. No, I don't know. It's a different song. No, tip. Me, me over, over and, and pour me out. out. Oh yeah, you're That's right. Half the fucking Jeopardy song. <laughs> I know. I know the first part's different, but like, you know, it's it took him thirty seconds to write. It's a thirty second song. Yeah, and uh, a lot of it is. Well, I'm a little. I'm a little teapot. Is the little teapot song a public domain song though? Um, probably not in the freaking 1800s when he wrote it or whatever. Well, what? No. Oh, when when Merv Griffin wrote it. How old like, is Merv Griffin? It's like if the little teapot guy wrote the little teapot in the 1800s, then that's fine. That's that's public domain. 
By the way, not to get into Books the Podcast talk, Tim, but uh, The Great Gatsby is now in the public domain. Get write our own yeah. version, the the great Tomsby, and you can be the my my loyal servant. Tom, are you do you not remember that you made that same joke on Books the Podcast last week? <laughs> last week? Yeah. I'm I'm not aware. All right. <laughs> the great Tomsby. You said you said that exact same thing. Well, look. Tim, I don't think just because Jesus people don't Christ, pay Tom. for our Patreon that they should be excluded from certain very good jokes. Jeez, and you're going off on your grandpa for, for saying the answers <laughs> after after Alex Trebek Look, said he it. didn't come up with the answers, so I came up with the jokes. I'm allowed to repeat them. Uh, people, have- speak, before we move on from what you were saying, though, I didn't know, and it kind of makes sense, that uh, people who have been on Jeopardy, ineligible to be on Wheel of Fortune and vice versa. Really? Forever? Yeah, forever. One or the other, Why baby. is that? Because they're sister productions. I don't think that's like a quiz show law, but it's a Merv Griffin law, I guess. <laughs> Just like, nah. <laughs> Merv's Law. Because it doesn't really make sense, because if you're on one of those shows, you're allowed to be on it again. Um, No, you're not. Wheel I of mean, Forge? For, like, for like tournaments and stuff, you can come back on uh, Jeopardy. But or if, if you win, on... if you win, you get to come back on. Imagine if you won on Jeopardy and they gave you the choice, like, okay, so tomorrow you can either come back to Jeopardy or try your luck at the Wheel of Fortune. Oh, go for Wheel of Fortune. They give away so much more money on Wheel of Fortune. Yeah. But and it's I, so much easier. Do you do you think you would do well on Jeopardy? No, I think I would I would absolutely like it would take uh, just like a very good mix of categories that I knew front to back uh, for for me to do well on there. I'm very bad at recalling information quickly. That's my thing, especially under any kind of pressure. Oh, absolutely. Like, I, all, the, all the categories could be right in my wheelhouse, and I still think I would have a piss-poor, embarrassing showing on Jeopardy just because, like, I cannot recall things if I need to recall them. Yeah, especially if you're next to, you know, another contestant that is doing well and just doing the like. Some uh, grown up who knows things. <laughs> but who's just doing the like, who is William Shakespeare? I'll take uh, potable, potent potables for 200. Like just, yeah. you know, is like a robot that would psych, psych me the hell out. I would get psyched out so quickly. Yeah. Um, that and I'm also like. I'm pretty good when I'm sitting eating my freaking spaghetti on the couch <laughs> next to my wife, like making educated guesses and right. being like, eh, "Yeah, but I'm if you like had to sixty percent sure of this, and like the ones that like I uh, uh, maybe like halfway sure of, like most of those I get right because there's only so many like types of questions they ask, and I would be so afraid to." make those educated guess type of answers, uh, responses, because I would be afraid of looking like an idiot. And yeah. like, they'd be like, this, uh, you know, like, uh, South American capital. And I'd be like, uh, is, what is London? And then yeah, you know, like, oh. everyone in America, it's like, what an asshole. Well, London would be, yeah, I guess that would be. I was thinking if you were, you know, if they asked you like South America and you were like, what is Madrid? 
Oh yeah, that would and be like, be... oh, this guy thinks just because they speak the same language. But I guess London would probably London would probably go more viral just because of pure stupidity. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I didn't even think of going viral. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I don't really have a desire to be on Jeopardy. I really did. Um, but now that Alex Trebek uh, has passed away, um. It's fine. Now it's just a game show. It's not like it's like less of an institution in my mind. Yeah. Yeah, it would just feel different, I would think. It would feel like, oh, this is like pretend Jeopardy. And I I think that's probably the case for most game shows when you actually get there and you see how small the set is and everything. Yeah, you're like, this is dollhouse Jeopardy. I thought I was coming on real Jeopardy. Yeah, Where's but the then grown-ups. Once Al Beck walked out, you'd be like, "Oh, it's real Jeopardy." Oh no! And then you throw up behind the podium. I would. I would. I don't. I. I don't think I'd be able to grip the buzzer. Because I think I'd be like shaking too much, and like <laughs> the buzzer would fall out of my hand, and I, my hand would be all sweaty. Well, that's that's the normally the case with uh, the podcast, Sam. Every every week we have to edit out multiple times you drop the microphone due to how sweaty your hands are. I'm starstruck when I see you, Tom. <laughs> um, the average age of the Jeopardy viewer is 65, Tim. You're bringing that uh, that uh, number Doing down. Doing a lot of work. I mean, not by a lot anymore. Um, <laughs> in 2000, though, it was 70. So uh, oh, Jeopardy, wow. Jeopardy stands dying off left and right. No, maybe a, a new generation is, is flooding the... I mean... Jeopardy is still on every day at every nursing home in America. Like, right. You know, there's still new old people all the time, Tom. <laughs> yeah, but there are more old people now than ever, and the and the the average age of the Jeopardy viewer is still going down. I do think it's probably a. I think old people are getting dumber, and b, and b. Oh yeah, I mean they're like watching QAnon videos instead of Jeopardy. <laughs> now. They're like, yeah. I'm watching Facebook tonight. Like, right. Yeah. Uh, and I do think probably some younger people are tuning into Jeopardy. I mean, I know at least like, uh, like you don't have cable, right? Or do you? Did I just tell you I pay for uh, you told a, me you a live pay TV for for recording things? I don't know. Maybe you got a guy next door who tapes the shows for you. Tom, I have YouTube TV, oh, which okay. is a bad service that I don't recommend, but it has unlimited DVR, so you can keep all the Jeopardies on there as long as you want. Um, I was gonna say, like, I've, I've in my adult life only had cable like twice for a year each time. Um, but I, so like, I'm more, way more likely to watch broadcast TV because I have an antenna, and if I'm mm-hmm. I'm rarely in the mood to just like turn on TV and like see what's out there. Uh, but if I am, uh, I'll look at broadcast stuff. So maybe that's uh, maybe that's the case for uh, other young people like myself. Tom, you're not young though. I'm very young compared to the average Jeopardy audience member. That's true. That's a feather. That's a, that's a feather in your cap. <laughs> yeah. Think about this, Tim. If you went on Jeopardy, uh, most audience, most people watching would say, hey, look at that young whippersnapper. Yeah. Oh, I wonder if he'd be interested in dating my granddaughter. Right. But then they'd see my wedding ring. Right. And they'd say, ah, oh, oh, well. Um, but then you, but uh, 
I completely forgot what I was going to say. It was something awful. You're, I'm you're sure. in a roll tonight, Dom. <laughs> um, t- I'd like to just voice my only two criticisms with the show Jeopardy. Okay, I'll pass them along to the producers. Number one, I think the whole premise of answering in the form of a question is dumb. Well, that's a pretty big criticism, Tim. That's that's you know one of the tenets of the show. I think it's unnecessary, though. Like you, all right. So you do you know how Jeopardy was developed? No, I'm not a um, freaking nerd. It was after the the you know we're doing a show about Jeopardy. I thought maybe you you might have like read this. I read some other stuff. Okay, well, I forgot. I, I got more facts. To I'm throw not saying at you. that you need to to throw more facts, but you just you don't need to call me a nerd when when I cite one. Um, so Merv Griffin's wife was like, uh-huh. uh, or Merv Griffin was like, uh, I need a game show idea, um, but like. The question and answer kind of thing is is kind of played yeah, out. It's done. Uh, and his wife is like, "Why don't you do a switch?" Uh, Julan is her name. J U L A N N. That's a weird. It's not Julianne. It's Julan. Yeah. Um, why not do a switch and give the answers to the contestant and wow, let them this, this come up with the question? This lady sounds like she's more twisted than the Joker. Yeah. All right. Here are the two examples that she gave, and I'm going to see if you. <laughs> okay. Now this is this is why I think um answering in the form of a question is stupid cuz like the way that Jeopardy developed is not this way. All right, so here's the first answer and you have to give the question. Okay. 5280. <laughs> oh, uh, what is uh, six thousand minus eight hundred and something. Is it seven hundred and twenty? No, I don't think so. But also, uh, oh yeah, you did that actually, right? Um, the, how much the question, do I win? of course, was how many feet in a mile? Oh. And then the other question, see, or the other answer, see if you can get the question here. Mm-hmm. 79 Wistful Vista. Uh, what is the address of Frank Sinatra? Close. What is the address of Fibber and Molly McGee? <laughs> Are those made-up characters? Yeah, it was. I think it was from like the 40s or 50s. <laughs> but like the thing with the, the 5,280, like there could be, it's the Cliff Clavin thing. There could be a million answers right, to yeah. that. So like, they do have to make all of the answers that there is only one correct question for them. In which case, like the whole premise, like then why are we keeping up this charade of we're giving you the answer? Like <laughs> right, yeah. they're just asking a question, and, and you're phrasing an awkward for, answer for people that aren't familiar with uh, Jeopardy and the television show Cheers. Do you want to explain? <laughs> And the character Cliff Clavin, what the Cliff Clavin thing is. I, of course, know what that means because that's what I always think about whenever I'm watching Jeopardy. Jeopardy is so ingrained in popular culture that it um, appears in so many uh, movies and TV shows. Yes. Um, one of the most famous, aside from White Men Can't Jump, do you remember that? Uh, oh, yeah. Rosie Perez was on there. Yeah. 
um, uh, the TV show Cheers, um, the the character Cliff Clavin goes, and he's kind of a, a bar know it all, and he's always uh, he's always spouting out, out trivia, like he's uh, yeah, which is he's never right about it. Um, <laughs> you went and uh, in Final Jeopardy, the Final Jeopardy clue was Archibald Leach, Bernard Schwartz, and Lucille Lesueur, mm-hmm. and that's the kind of thing that like. All right, and he didn't know the answer. To well, that. and that's the kind of thing. Like either that is specific enough, where it's like you know that or you don't. Right, and you his can't response. His response for uh, was, "Who are three people who have never been in my kitchen?" Yeah, which is true. And he argued that that was technically true, and that is technically true. And uh, the the answer, the correct answer, was the real names of Cary Grant, Tony, Tony Curtis, and Joan Crawford. Um, but in Jeopardy in real life, Tom, mm-hmm. they wouldn't have phrased it that way. They would have been like, these three people are better known as, yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, they would have like, been more specific. Exactly. And with that specificity, it just breaks the whole concept of like, oh, there's the answer and there's only one. Like, just, just ask questions. Like, it's a fast-paced quiz show where they ask you questions and you answer. And I'm also afraid of that if I ever run on Jeopardy. You know how so they have um, six categories in each in each yeah. round? And point values for each one. And so you say, like, oh, I'll take uh, haunted horses for five <laughs> for six hundred dollars. That is not a, a category that's ever right? been on but Jeopardy. But I would be I would be afraid that I would say um, what is haunted horses for six hundred dollars? Oh, and Alex, I see. Yeah, the, you know, like I'd be so nervous and right. Uh, but answering in the form of a question, Tom, that's another thing. Um, I recently read Alex Trebek's memoir, uh-huh. and he points out all the things that, like, the Jeopardy theme song and the notion of answering things in the form of a question, mm-hmm. are just so pervasive in american culture like pop culture and just like everything like if you're ever taking a a long amount of time to do anything at work at a party or something some idiots can start humming the jeopardy uh yeah which is which is crazy it is it's just fucking i'm a little teapot i was also trying to find i couldn't really find the jeopardy the version of the Jeopardy theme song that they used for the intro that I was thinking of that I'm most familiar with from like the nineties, I guess that was like way more of a banger than the version they use nowadays. It has like laser sounds. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's got, yeah, it's got a, it's got a build up. Yeah. Oh no, what's going on? What is this? Yeah. This now is, entering the studio. Yeah, and and they introduce each person. It's like, oh, it's like uh like uh uh what was that um that that music all the kids liked with the drops. EDM. <laughs> yeah, and no, what am I thinking of? But not a more specific EDM. Oh boy, we're going. Why get... did you do this? You're making I me don't... look like old assholes. <laughs> no. Why would you bring this up? I'll think of it later tonight and be mad. But you know when it would build up to a drop. 
Skrillex. What what kind of music did the Skrillex do? <laughs> this sucks. This sucks. You you ruined us. <laughs> You've exposed us, you freaking asshole. <laughs> uh, um, uh, dubstep. Jesus Christ. That's what I'm thinking of. It was like dubstep waiting for the drop. Oh, boy. They're going to put us in an old person home after this show. I mean, you deserve it. <laughs> I just looked it up. Skrillex died of old age 10 years ago. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Tim, I looked up. I, we're, we're probably almost out of time, right? Yeah, we are. Tom, you were bragging about uh, not knowing, uh, of always having an internal clock and knowing exactly how much time well, we have left. Well, I just, I didn't want to, I know we're almost out of time, but I, want, I didn't want to make you feel bad again. Uh, but I did want to bring up a couple more things. Uh, I'll bring up one, then we'll do the plugs. Um, I read this good housekeeping dumb thing uh, where it said that uh, getting on Jeopardy was more exclusive than having a New York Times bestselling book uh, because they said one in 220 people will write a New York Times bestselling book in their lifetime. No, they won't. That's not true. What is that? That that um, com- that comes out to one and a half million people in your lifetime will write a New York Times best-selling book. No, maybe a mm. hundred thousand people. How many? How many books are on the bestseller list? The New York Times bestseller list. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if it's a hundred books. I, what if it's like a thousand books? It's not a thousand books. One hundred books is is, I mean there are some, there are multiple categories, but you know that that actual like all bestseller, bestseller fiction, bestseller nonfiction, you know it overlaps with those other other categories. But there's no way one in two hundred and twenty people, one in two hundred and twenty people is not a best a New York Times best-selling author. Tom, let me ask you this. Uh-huh. You're getting mad at good housekeeping for, yeah. for printing a, a, a poorly researched fact? Yeah. Some 23-year-old intern probably wrote that. Well, I I blame the Relax. editors at at good housekeeping and they compare that to uh uh 0.4% acceptance rate for Jeopardy. I don't know. Okay. On Jeopardy, even if somebody keeps winning, what is that? Uh, 11 people a week are on Jeopardy? That's pro. I mean, maybe it's comparable to the New York Times bestseller list because, like, people stay on there for a bit. I don't Are you know. Just bitter that you've never made it onto the New York Times bestseller I'm, list. No, I'm just saying and that. And you're always just like, well, that's probably just a real exclusive <laughs> club. I'm just saying that one in 220 people is not correct. I know 220 people, and I don't know anybody that's written a New York Times bestseller. Um, that's not true. Who do I know? I mean, you've met. I mean, you know yeah. far yeah, fewer I, than two hundred twenty people. I meet a lot of people, Tim. I'm out and about, of course. Tom, you, if I gave you a full week, <laughs> you couldn't come 
back to me with a list of 220 people that you know. I could. I definitely could. I think around like 80, 82, <laughs> you'd be like, ah, I really thought this would be easier. No, I could do it. I could totally do and it. Babies don't count. Oh, you can't meet a baby. I, I might not be able to do it then. I know a lot of babies. If you like the show, you can find out more at tcgt.com. You can support us by checking out our sponsors. Also check out tcgt.com slash Patreon for our Patreon books to podcast. This week we are starting, Tim is starting to read Ray Crocs grinding it out. The uh, co-founder of McDonald's. How would you describe him? The founder of McDonald's. Ooh, controversial. Um, uh, his autobiography about how to make McDonald's, uh, page one. I forgot about what a complete psychopath that man was Re- a, reading this book. He's a good man. He gave us all he's hamburgers. Patreon.com slash complete guide. You get that episode and all the past episodes. Also check out TCGT.com slash merch. We got new merch, shirts, sweaters, b- pillows, <laughs> Sweaters? Sweatshirts, for sure. Hoodies and non-hoodies. Coffee mugs, you name it. We got it, unless we don't. Uh, follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash complete guide. Follow me on fa- on Twitter and Instagram at Tom Reynolds. Follow me at your pal, Tim. Sorry, I was browsing the internet. Um, Tim, I want to also bring this up. From my uh investigation i could only find one instance of a couple meeting on jeopardy and getting married and uh whereas survivor six couples six people six pairs of people met and got married well tom most contestants on jeopardy mm-hmm um, only meet two other contestants. Well, in this case, this couple they met in the uh, in DC at the like regional uh, tests or whatever. Uh, okay. And then they happened to be in the same group uh, and got to know each other in the waiting room, and then they both got called i think or got picked for like the fourth or fifth taping so they got to know each other hmm. and today well actually I don't, this article was from <sighs> eight years ago but they're happily married tim i also want to make it clear that i have the six survivor couples none of them include colleen haskell which you might remember from rob schneider's the animal as well as survivor what about her she was, as far as I know, the only person from Survivor that was in a Rob Schneider movie. Tom, <clears throat> this is the second time in a few weeks that we've done a classic Tim topic episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't gotten to say like uh, even a third of of. Of what I wanted to well, say. I have more uh, interesting facts you, to say. <laughs> you have just been talking about Do you about even nonsense. know how long The Animal is, the movie? I'm done. 80, <laughs> 83 minutes long, Tim. I don't know how they were able to release it that short. This show has become a burden. 
We'll see you next week. That was a HeadGum Podcast.